Welcome to the Feed the Unicorn podcast. I'm Dimity Edwards and I'm on a mission to help you better understand a new frontier, a digital ecosystem bringing transformational change to the property and construction industry. I'll be talking to suppliers, builders, developers and tech experts to get a behind the scenes look at the current challenges and explore the ways in which our industry can connect, trade and grow together. So join me as we feed the unicorn. Well, guys, welcome back to another episode of Feed the Unicorn podcast. I'm your host, Dimity Edwards, and today we have a very special guest. With over 15 years' experience within the industry, our first guest is an entrepreneur at his core. Anyone who knows him knows he is a decisive leader with a proven track record in problem solving, product management, and an all-round business growth. He's a thought leader within the property and construction industry, and he's always looking for ways that he can help businesses remain at a competitive edge. So I'd love to welcome you, Bevan, Director of Money, into this podcast studio. Well, thank you. Uh, what a lovely introduction that was. That sounds like I should be someone worth listening to, didn't he? You are worth, worth listening to, and I'm so glad that you're one of our very first guests here in the podcast. Yeah, look, uh, I'm excited to be here. Um, the facility looks tremendous. I'm uh, extremely excited to be here today, and, and, and certainly your couch with the missing legs is the highlight of my day so far. <laughs> yeah, let's. Uh, glad we're doing a podcast so people can't see that. No, I just thought I'd bring it up for the audience at home. Um, it certainly does look very uh, shabby. There's a few stains on it, so maybe for the next guest you can improve that. Maybe I should speak to the CEO of uh, Armani and see what we can do about that. Yeah, I don't think you'll get much success. I hear that guy's a tight ass. <laughs> I love that. Well, Bevan, I would love to start out with um, just hearing a little bit more around your story and how you really ended up here today. Um, like you mentioned earlier on, entrepreneurship is something that I find um, you know, at the core of my being. I, I choose to be an entrepreneur. I love it. I embrace it um, You know, with all the risks, enjoyment factors and and uh, hardships that come along with it. Uh, being an entrepreneur to me means giving people opportunity in life and also creating opportunity for myself and my family. So I like the idea that I can control my own destiny and um, yeah, I'm, I'm really enjoying the experience of being out of money so far. I love that. And just curiously, what gets you up every day? Like why even do a startup within one of the most crazy times in the world right now? Um, well, I'd like to tell you it was because uh, it was a well thought out business decision. But I got released from jail and um, I had nowhere to go. I'd literally been turned out of jail in October 2015. And, you know, standing at the front of that prison that day, looking up at the uh, guard and the tower and realising I'm not coming back to prison ever again. I'm going to make myself leave my life. And on that day going forward, I vowed I would never do crystal meth again. And I would in turn focus my life on being an entrepreneur. And I walked forth from that prison that day. The clouds in the sky, they were dark and cloudy, and, but yet I felt like it was sunny outside. My mood, my disposition had changed. And I'd suddenly become a free man. And at that moment, the word Amani came to me. The meaning of hope, faith, trust. I was Amani then. I was gonna become Amani. 
I love that. I love that story and that embodiment of where you came from and how you ended up here. And uh, thank you so much for opening up to me. That must have been a really um, challenging time, but I love that you've been able to take a lesson and really turn it into something really positive. Well, I think that's the only choice. Um, You know, after those harrowing experiences in the prison showers, I certainly knew that my time was not to be best spent locked up. I knew I had more to give than my time in those showers daily. <laughs> I knew I could do something special with my life. Hey, some of my best ideas come from being in the shower, Bevan, so... Tremendous. And look, I guess I could say that I feel like we're improving the world of money. Um, you know, we've got a, a strict, you know, regime around how we can ensure that we're delivering value and quality to people and certainly people in the industry who have been uh, impacted by significant impacts like COVID and price rises and we feel we can give something back to the construction category. No, I love that. But um, let's just jump into the last year because what a freaking year 2020 was. Sure. <laughs> let's talk about what you've been through and I guess how did you manage to continue um, to thrive through, through a pandemic? Yeah, it's a good question, right? Because it's not like you're given a choice. Yeah. Um, you know, I wasn't allowed to opt in or opt out of a pandemic. So, you know, once we're in the pandemic, then, you know, it's kind of like you're at sea and you're going to start swimming right to the shore. So we, um, you know, like, like most companies, I guess, you know, struggled initially to understand the, the repercussions of what that would mean to our, to our current business model. And then we had to go away and really think about and construct a solution that allowed us to move forward and provide a service to a world that had changed dramatically. Yeah, and... I guess talking on that um, idea around some people did win and some people did lose, what was the difference between those two people and those two companies, I should say? Probably bankruptcy for the ones that lost. <laughs> to Fair be honest, I'm assuming, um, you know, unfortunately the pandemic has impacted many organisations and, you know, some that were thriving organisations before have become a shell of what they were and some many have also, unfortunately, you know, ceased to exist. So the ones that have thrived, I think, are are ones that are going to be tougher for the experience. I think resiliency was a lesson that a lot of people learned last year. And the ones that are still alive and moving forward, I think will be better business long-term for that experience. Yeah, and focusing in on really the property and construction industry, because we've seen through the eyes of the consumer, people are purchasing, first home ownership has gone up. Like, why do you think that is the case? Well, I think first home ownership is, you know, it's always challenging in your first house. So whenever someone shows up with, $25,000 $25,000 or $15,000 of extra cash, that certainly helps. Um, you know, the leniency you know, around banking uh, interest rates at the minute, so it's very low. It's enabling people to get into the market that historically may not have been. Um, I, think, I still think there's a, um, you know, a, a real need for some sort of social housing to support the ones that can't get into their first house. But I guess from a first homeowner's growth perspective, I think it's encouraging signs to see, it stimulate the industry. Um, but I guess I'm also equally as concerned as to when those uh, subsidies end as to what the outcome will look like for, for regular construction companies. Yeah, that's fair enough. And on this podcast, we're really focusing on, on digital ecosystems and how technology plays a role into that. So okay. really getting into the meat and potatoes of that, like where do you see the industry going in the next 12 to 24 months? And what do you think is driving those changes? Where do I see the industry going in 2024, 12 to 24 months? Yeah. I think you know where we're seeing it going is a progression of where it's been. It's it's noted and pretty well acknowledged globally that industrialised construction and the use of data and uh, the ability to be able to connect independent ecosystems to the one 
version of the truth and speak you know, in a collaborative fashion, I think will be the future of property and construction. I believe removing waste through inefficient systems and processes is vital. Um, you know, there's only so much can be done from the reduction of price of the raw materials or goods. A lot of the improvements need to come through the labour elements of it, where technology can replace the work of what's considered to be, you know, non-core labour perhaps in a business that could be removed. Yeah, I really love the point that you touched on around data and how businesses can really understand data because everyone is talking about data and what does it actually mean. So zoning in on that, why do you think that people need to know a little bit more around data and track the data? Why do you think that's so important, especially to the property and construction industry? Well, if you're not tracking and measuring things, then how can you ever eliminate anything? You know, you don't understand where the waste exists if you don't measure for it. So I think one of the key elements of being able to do those things is that you need to be using technology within your organisation that provides you data. That's the first step. And many in construction aren't even provided data because they're using manual files, spreadsheets that don't connect to any sort of version of the truth outside of that. Uh, there's a lot of paper and waste and things are handwritten down. So it's very hard to track and measure data when there is no system of capturing data to start with. Why do you think there's such a resist resistance into turning paper into digital? Like, why do you think that a lot of businesses haven't adopted? Because there's so many amazing products out there from your experience. Why do you think like businesses are struggling to adapt? Well, price is one, you know, technology is traditionally very expensive. Um, additionally that, it's a change management to your business. So if you've always done something a certain way, each time you make a change, even an incremental change, there's often resistance let alone a complete methodology change to the way you run your business. So a lot of these guys are making money doing it the way they are and, and feel that, you know, I understand it's not, you know, utopic or optimised, but that's sufficient for them to make millions of dollars. So, which is, you know, part of the challenge, right? Yeah, absolutely. Everyone loves making money. So if you were to sit down and have a conversation with a business owner, what is three ways that you could really encourage them to um, switch the way things that they're doing, switch things up and really maybe digitalize their business a little bit more? I mean, I guess the first thing before you even give a recommendation would be to have an analysis of what they're currently doing, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, you, you know, as an owner of an organization that's working in property or construction, things I would be looking at is where is their repetitive business practices occurring? So an example that might be where a supplier will send you invoices and it's all via the mail or paper or some sort of, um, you know, PDF that's not actually in, integrated into any type of technology. Then there is these processes that occur thereafter, which is printing of paper, scanning of paper, signing of forms, uploading of files, maintaining a live register of documents. Just that one minor area that, area that sounds very simple to solve for, and really it is, is still highly complicated for these particular people to understand. And that may sound ludicrous to people who are in technology because Functionally, a lot of those people would say, why would you do it that way? Um, yeah. Probably because they've done it that way for a long time. <laughs> yeah. And no one's shown them a better way of doing it. Or made it easy for them to understand. And that's part of the challenge of technology. It's, it's often a very complicated product to understand. And these people are, are builders. They're running an expertise in building, not in, in technology. Yeah, you only know what you know until you know something different, I guess. And it's not to say that businesses aren't doing it really well. Um, absolutely, there's a lot of construction and property companies that are tremendous of technology. But they're in a silo, that's their organisation is very successful and very good at doing that. 
that doesn't actually add value to every other organisation in the category. Yeah, dive a little bit deeper into that because this whole idea around digital ecosystem is kind of a buzzword, but people don't really understand what that is. So you said most businesses are in their own silo and that they're running their own operation. How do do businesses start collaborating a lot more? Yeah, it's a good question because there's certainly collaboration within the category, I think. Uh, You know, great relationships people have between different businesses and associations are a vehicle to connect people as well. Uh, But I think what we're seeing is you know, certainly with builders and developers, is the way they connect with their suppliers. So many, many, many suppliers contribute to a build of a house. And then if you're building many houses, you can imagine the amount of complexity and, and interactions that have to occur between a series of stakeholders to deliver several hundred houses at a time. So it's complicated, you know. What makes that so complicated? Well, you might have, you know, different scheduling requirements per job site that you know, depending on the weather and the elements impact the job and then all of a sudden the schedule's delayed or changed and then, you know, dozens of people have to be notified about that change. Um, you know, communication by phone is wasting time and, um, you know, it, it's a highly uh, error-prone organisation when you're dependent on things that change live all times. Yeah, and I guess you're such an entrepreneur, Bevan. So I was just curious to know, you've mentioned a few problems here around how all these businesses are running on their own. They're not interconnected. So how do you see some see technology solving some of these problems? Well, I think, you know, just to clarify that point, I'm not saying that they're not connected at all. I think, you know, many are, but it's not digitally connected, perhaps. And there's opportunities there to build marketplaces which solve for that need. So a marketplace being a central source or location where people can come to trade, essentially. And, uh, you know, back in the old days, it was a village, sca- village square or centre of the village. These days, it's a digital medium and connecting suppliers to builders and developers seamlessly uh, and removing cost and waste is absolutely an opportunity. Awesome. Are you able to get a, give us a little insight into what Armani's doing to improve this digital ecosystem? Yeah, well, we'll start by building one. Yeah. Uh, that's probably the first step. <laughs> Um, many organisations, like you mentioned, aren't connected currently. So you, what you need to do to be able to connect things up is a common platform. And um, without giving away too much, that's certainly something we're working on now. And we're building a digital ecosystem that allows builders, developers and suppliers to connect seamlessly. Amazing. I'm very excited for that. You'll have to come back on once we've launched to talk through what that is and how that uh, helps all of these um, interconnected businesses. Would you be open to that? Well, only if it's successful. If it fails, then no. I want to hide and, and cry. <laughs> amazing. I'm just curious to know, Bevan, because you have all these amazing ideas. You you talk so deeply into this category and you you see all these challenges. Where do you draw your inspiration from? Anime. Um, Japanese manga cartoons. Deep understanding of Russian philosophy. Tolstoy. Nietzsche. Um... Yeah. What's your so, favourite philosophy quote? To be or not to be? Is that the question? That is a brilliant question. I guess it's an everyday choice that everyone gets to decide whether they go forward and make change or they remain exactly where they are. What would you, uh, what would you propose to be an alternative choice, Bimini, for your you know, deep knowledge of uh, Russian philosophy? What would you seek to employ? Um, it would definitely be to be the person that you needed when growing up. And who was the philosopher that spoke that? Um, Amici? I don't know. I just made that up, Bevan. I wanted oh. to sound smart to the people listening. Okay, you didn't know. No. no. Sounds stupid. 
I definitely did. No, I'm not very um, up on my Russian philosophy. I'm more of a modern day um, personal development booker. Right. Okay. So history is not important to you. Is that what you're suggesting? Um, not Russian history. I, I haven't dabbled in any of it, to be what honest. What's your philosophy on the arts of West Berlin? West Berlin? Um, I have been there. And I felt very traumatic once I enjoyed that experience because I didn't realize how recent that history actually is to, um, I guess, me. And when I found out about the Berlin and what actually happened within that, my parents went traveling not even 30 years ago and they couldn't even go to the either side of Berlin. And I didn't realize how recent um, the impacts were still of those wars. Yeah, I mean, like mid 80s, right? You know, yeah. tear down the wall was the Gorbachev. Interesting. Yeah. You didn't realise the history of Berlin until you went there. I didn't. And okay. I don't know whether that's me being sheltered here in Australia or just being grateful for my life. But I'm, yeah, I learned so much when I went travelling and I'm grateful for those experiences. It just sounds like a lack of education in general. Well... Yeah, what was the history of one of your subjects at school, didn't you? Ancient history was. Right. Not modern history. Okay. So I learned about it. Tutankhamun so and... Oh, okay. So the what? Egyptians and the dinosaurs is your yeah. sort of wheelhouse where you... I played in, yeah. All right. Lovely. Let's be honest. I probably lost a lot of brain cells and have removed all of that knowledge from my capacity. Good to hear. Um, and how else can I help you in this interview today? <laughs> Amazing. Well, let's rip back into it. I know we went on a little bit of a segue, but um, in your experience, I would really love to know how you're creating change and... Um, how you're using, I guess, a lack of adoption within this category. How are you helping people? How am I using a lack of adoption or how am I helping people? How are you helping people? Oh, okay. Uh, well, you know, ultimately we're, we're providing a platform that allows people to self-help, which is the utilisation of technology for the benefit of their organisation. And um, we're simply facilitating a more efficient process and ability to be able to adopt that technology in a meaningful way. Yeah, and I guess looking into that whole future, um, where do you see the category in like four to five years? Get your crystal ball out. Let's just let's see what Bevan sees the future to be like. Uh, well, you know, which category did you like to talk about first? Property or construction? Let's go with property. I think, you know, ultimately the ability to be able to digitalise a house will lead to the ability of the consumer to be able to design their own house digitally online selecting their own choice of supplies and customising their home within engineering tolerances, identifying the block of land they want to build it on and building in their own house and land package. So complete customisation end to end of their own house. Yeah, do you see a lot of friction within, I guess we, we touched on it earlier around first home buyers and this process and um, them trying to get into the market. Where's the friction point with um, people right now with building? Okay. Um, just to follow on that last question though, so um, the other thing you asked me about was construction. Yeah. So what would be my thoughts on construction over the next five years? Uh, I think, again, it's the ability to manage the waste. So how do you remove out the processes and systems that create waste within construction, which typically is paper and project management capability. And if you can automate all those tasks, you can make things far more seamless. So uh, I think the construction technology is a huge market that's going to improve significantly over the next five years and it's a market that's going to impact a lot of business in a positive way. Yeah, I love it. Do you see, um, I guess, keeping in this theme of future and looking into the future and where we think it's going, do you see any job losses? Do you see, what do you think the most important job will be in the next four to five years? How can people stay on that forefront and continue to thrive? Yeah, I mean, look, 
like anyone, they always default to the position of job losses, right? When you're removing waste, and often waste can be people where systems can do that work. Um, but ultimately, people deploy to where the opportunity lives. So, for example, people are, you know, before going to be a taxi driver, now Jenny Smith can have a part time job being an Uber driver, right? So, you know, she may have been taken out of a job by technology before, but now that's another career choice that's opened up from technology. So, I think utilising technology in a meaningful way to reduce waste is going to have an impact to people, but it can have an impact in both a negative and a positive way. And ultimately, you know, the water finds its own level. So, for whatever reason, people are migrating out of a redundant industry that doesn't exist anymore. I don't know, like, um, you know, wooden bridge building. Did <laughs> yeah, they find doesn't... another job thereafter? Yeah, they did, you know, they had to adapt and overcome. So it may actually open people's eyes up to a new career choice that didn't exist before. So what we're trying to build here is sustainable businesses that have reduced waste, not trying to keep old philosophies and history just because it's been done that way before. Yeah, absolutely. And as we've learned from this episode, people are not very great at their history. So <laughs> I guess it's a, a way to continue to adapt into modern changes. Look, I'll certainly bring a lot more to the team than just your knowledge of ancient history or even modern history. Um, so don't feel uh, upset about that. That's okay. If we were on the topic of uh, crystals and um, the moon, maybe I would have a few more good answers. Yeah, and I wouldn't have come on your show. So uh, <laughs> thank you for the invitation. You're welcome. And to really round us out and to really, I guess, get a new perspective, if you had a magic wand, it's keeping in that mystical theme, and you could change one thing in the industry, what would that be? One. Ooh, what would I change? It's a magical wand. I can change anything, can I? Am I allowed to, you know? You can't use the wand to then get another ten wands. That's no, I understand the wand, the wand philosophy is yeah. not to multiply the wands. <laughs> it's to resolve the issue as opposed Absolutely. to create a competitive advantage for me. Um, it's a tough question to answer because where do you start, right? You can wave the wand in a bunch of different directions. I'm personally going to wave the wand at homelessness yeah. because I really believe that social housing in Australia is... Um, underdeveloped, there's more than 100,000 people who are short of accommodation right now on waiting lists, as well as you can see just walking through the city, the amount of homeless people who are, you know, forced to take refuge on a park bench or a shelter and the amount of, um, you know, impact that has to a human being's life and the homeless is significant. So I'd wave the magic wand in the face of housing and hopefully create more social housing for people. That is beautiful. I was really not expecting that, Bevan, so... Well, I'm glad you have a low opinion of me to start with. So. <laughs> no, I just wasn't expecting you to go down the social route, which uh, I think is a really powerful thing and says a lot about the person who you are, Bevan. So. Well, thank you, Dimity. Um, it is important to me to support others who are in need. And um, if you have more than what you know is the minimum standard in your life and you can support others and give back, then... Yeah, 100%. That's what I'd like to do. Yeah, I love that. And it's no secret that, uh, I guess, Amani, we're really on a mission to reimagine how the property and construction industry trade, grow, and connect. So how do you see our company contributing to um, this ecosystem? Well, I think meaningfully, right? Well, we're trying to build and develop a marketplace that allows people to seamlessly connect and trade. Obviously, we've invested significant resources in, in creating that model and concept and idea. It is not unheard of in other categories. It certainly is relatively new to the building and property construction category. How can we support people? What was the question again? That's okay. How do you see our company benefiting and contributing to this interconnected space? Well, we're gonna benefit if people adopt it, clearly. I mean, it's a a product we've we've purchased and built and um, 
you know, rolling out in a tailored manner to those users because we want them to use it. So how do we, how do we benefit? Well, if they use it and they trade like we expect, then certainly we're going to make money out of that. That's the whole point of being a business. But also, while we're making money out of Amani, we're giving back far more than we're taking. Yeah. We're resolving issues that are deep-seated problems, and we're able to capture um, what I feel to be massive savings for both builder, developer, and consumer through the whole process. The only person who's going to be impacted by this is, is the waste, and I don't care, because we're ruthlessly pursuing slicing up waste. I know, you're on a war on waste, Bevan. Correct, and, and waste, we're letting you know we're coming for you. This is a statement of intent. It is a war on waste. So if you choose to retreat away waste, leave now and you will not be injured. But we're coming to compete with your waste. You heard that here first, waste. We're coming for you. The Amani army is on, on its way. It's, it's safe to say, leave the village now and step back while you've got time. <laughs> I love that. And to really wrap us up, um, is there anything else that you wanted to finish and uh, any comments that you wanted to make on any of the topics we really covered today? No, I mean, I think look, we had a great conversation. So thank you for inviting me here to this lovely facility. Um, I certainly like your on-air sign. So congratulations on what appears to be a very successful setup you've got here, Dimity. Um, you know, I feel like we've made a great connection today and hopefully I can come back on your show and present you with some, you know, updates around how Ramani is performing and, if you've, uh, if you've ever got any questions, please reach out. Yeah, I love that. And where can people reach you? You know, they can uh, reach me on at Bevan Ross on Twitter, um, at Bevan Ross Amani on Instagram, um, at Bevan Ross is the king on LinkedIn, and at War on Waste, we're kicking your ass, timberframers. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. And to finish this really off before we let all the listeners go, if you could be one animal, what would that be? If I could be an animal? Yeah. Jesus. An animal. Um, I can um, play some tunes to really drive the inspiration if you'd like. No, it, you know, it's a valid question. You know, I haven't really considered myself to be a primate or a mammal before, so I'm taking a little time to consider what my choice would look like. Um, I'm vacillating in between a giraffe and a, uh, a potential sloth. I love that. A sloth that, you know, you just lie around and be fuck all, which would be tremendous. But then a giraffe, they could walk around and stick their neck in windows, you know, go uh, onto the African plains without fear of reprisal. Yeah. You know, they're not really particularly concerned about the lions. And they're a significant adventure, the giraffe. It's one of the highest and largest reaching animals on the planet. So, a giraffe it is. I love that. And well, Bevan, you have been an absolute pleasure to be on this episode. So again, thank you so much for tuning in to Feed the Unicorn. Bevan Ross, thank you so much for being on our podcast today. No worries. And uh, I'm glad I could bring some cash in here today to feed that unicorn for you. You're welcome. All right, guys. Until next time.